Hello, everybody, and welcome to a fresh edition of the Rainbow Skyline Podcast, a podcast about the Denver Nuggets from your friends at The Athletic. My name is Nick Cosmiter. I'm joined by my colleague, Kendra Andrews, and this is our weekly free podcast that you're listening to on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, But if you want the bonus episodes that we occasionally have, we might have some special stuff uh, at the All-Star break from Chicago. Um, You got to be a subscriber. So follow us, uh, subscribe at The Athletic, at theathletic.com slash Rainbow Skyline to get 40% off an annual subscription. Uh, Kendra, we have a lot to talk about today. Obviously, it's it's the trade deadline. The, the Nuggets, after the four-team trade they were involved in on Tuesday, which sent Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez and Jared Vanderbilt to Minnesota and returned Denver a 2020 first-round pick from Houston, as well as uh, Shabazz Napier, Keita Bates-Diop, and uh, Noah Vonley. Uh, they then today turned around and traded Shabazz Napier to the Wizards, got back Jordan McRae. Um, you know, a, a veteran shooting guard who's averaging almost 13 points a game this year, shooting 37% from three. Um, we're going to get into all those kind of moves, what what they can mean for the Nuggets. Uh, but but first, you know, last night in Utah, they, they had a game that I think kind of trumped trumped all of that. And it was one of the more wild things that I've seen in my years covering covering this team and covering the league. Um, you know, Denver goes into Utah, has only seven available players because of a the trade. Um, obviously the Denver's players were, were already gone, but they had not yet gotten the players from Minnesota. Um, and then all the injuries they're dealing with Will Barton, Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, Michael Porter, Jr. Mason Plumley, all out with injuries. And then of course, again, Beasley and Hernan Gomez and Vanderbilt all gone. That left them with seven players and they beat the jazz 98 to 95. And, and it was, it was one of those seminal emotional moments where, you know, the, the team really, um, j- just reflected on on, on sort of knowing how unique and special that it was. Um, and before I kind of get into to some of that, Kendra, I just, I just wouldn't want to know your, your perspective. You know, you were in Milwaukee when they had a, a, a similar type of win. Um, but, but Michael Malone kind of raised the bar and said, okay, now this is our win yeah. of the year. What, what was just, what was your impression uh, watching last night? It was incredible. Like you said, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. I was watching it from here in Denver on my couch and I was just blown away by what they did, what they did at first. I was like, you know, I'm going to turn it on. Of course, I'm going to watch the game, but I'll be doing a couple other things, some housekeeping work because, you know, I don't expect this to be a very good game. And then just the way that they came out. I mean, I think Malone is right to name this the win of the year. It was Absolutely insane. The last time I tweeted this out last night, the last time that um, a team has played with seven or less players was, uh, I think, 2019 when Portland did it with six players. And just any time that you can play with such limited amount of players is amazing. And the fact that you can win against a really good team as well is just mind blowing. And you're right. I was in Milwaukee when they when they beat the Bucks, And after that game, they're on the second night of the back to back their first game against the Jazz, you know, they had landed 15 hours before the game and they were talking to me about no excuses, no excuses. We're never going to enter a game saying, well, if we lose, it's because of X, Y, and Z, or it's okay if we lose because of X, Y, and Z. And I think that mindset was just all they could go on last night because I mean, how, how could have on paper, how did they win that game? It's, it's, it's incredible. I'll give you some kind of scenes from from the arena. Was it, it was yeah. interesting? We were we were sitting there uh, along the, alongside, um, you know, some of the assistants ahead of that game, and you know, it was just kind of like a lot of 
you know, shaking their heads, laughing. You know, there, there was one Nuggets staffer who, um, you know, was joking with Paul Millsap. Hey, you, you might have to be ready just to shoot free throws. Obviously, Millsap has missed the last 15 games, wasn't going to play. But he, you know, they, they had to have guys who weren't going to play dress out. And I was told by a team spokesman that they actually had um, that, that some of the guys dressed out were available in emergency situations, which mm-hmm. but they were never going to go to those guys for all functional purposes. They had seven players that they could use. And, um, you know, but the joking with Paul Millsap of like, hey, just, you know, get ready to shoot free throws. Um, you know, the staffer said, hey, Tori, you're going to need to holster those fouls, those early fouls you get. Uh, you're going to have a long night. And in the locker room afterward, Jamal Murray was kind of sitting there and he was he was joking around with with Tori Craig, who goes, you know, I thought I thought you were on a minutes restriction, bro. And, you know, because because Murray came back after a 10 game absence, played 20 minutes against Portland, said his ankle was pretty mm-hmm. sore. Played 42 minutes uh, on the second night of a back-to-back, and he, you know, kind of just like laughing at the thought. Uh, it, it was just pretty wild in terms of it was. It was almost like it reminded me of being when you were playing like youth sports, when you're playing like in youth basketball leagues, and you know, every everybody's got a lot of stuff going on. You know, people have varying commitments to the team, so you would show up and on like a certain Saturday, being like, "Man, I hope I hope enough people show up um, to where you get to play," <laughs> except that. It, when you were a kid and you love to play, you're like, I hope we only have five or six people show up because then we'll get to play the entire game. Um, you know, I don't I don't think NBA players go into two games <laughs> with that same mindset, but it really did seem like they they relished the idea that they were just all going to play like this whole entire game. And um, yeah, they were exhausted. They were tired. But it was just it was almost like this this source of pride of like, mm-hmm. man, we're going to do this like goofy ass thing today. We're just going to play with seven guys. Yeah. And, um, you know, that that was what I took away. The other part of it was I, I leaned over to, to Mike Singer, the, the the Nuggets writer for the Denver Post. And I said, there's a non-zero chance that this this win makes Malone cry um, or, or shed a tear. And I just you could just sense it that this was going to be something that was was, again, just just special. A moment that happens that you don't forget. And and, and mm-hmm. sure enough, we go and the press conference starts and um, Malone, it didn't get to that point, but his voice definitely did catch in his throat a little bit to, to the point where it was clearly. Um, this emotional thing and they've been doing it for a while now. I, I think that, you know, just the hope is that you, that they're not too burned out on all of this. You know, it's a good thing. I think that they had a couple days off before they play Phoenix on Saturday, just emotionally. And then just a couple more games until the all-star break. Obviously they play the Lakers, which should, should be an easy game to get up for. Um, so they just gotta, they just gotta kind of survive it for a few, you know, another week, uh, get to the all-star break and, and then kind of be able to, to enjoy some well-earned rest. Yeah, you know, something I've learned about this Nuggets team these past couple games and weeks, I think, is that recently they they like to be the underdogs. They like to have people say, to prove people wrong, really. And I think that that's been something for them all season long, but really, especially these past couple weeks, I think, and I think last night, again, was a perfect example of that. Oh, you say we can't do that? Well, just sit back and watch and and we're going to do what we came here for. Yeah, I think I mean, I definitely think there is there is some of that, uh, you know, the, 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 the you know, kind of cliched chip on the shoulder mentality. But but I also just think that, like, these are guys who are conf- it, it's 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 playing the underdog, but it's also just kind of the supreme confidence in, in who they mm-hmm. are. Like the, the reality is that they're not they're not underdogs. They're they're a really good basketball team. And, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Nikola Jokic because this guy has just continued to raise the bar. And I I told Michael Malone last night, I said, 
listen, it, it becomes challenging every night to ask you something new about Nicole Jokic. She said, well, <laughs> please try. Um, you know, and I said, well, so uh, what is it that you, what is your impression of how this this is a guy who every time you kind of think that there's there's sort of a ceiling to what he's doing. It, it reminds me of kind of what we're seeing from Damian Lillard, right? Like we we think we've seen Dame at his best. Like it really can't go up from here. He's, he's maximizing every bit of his talent. Um, and, and then all of a sudden he goes through this streak where he's, he's averaging over 40 points for an entire month. Um, we're, we're starting to see some of that from Nikola Jokic, who's, um, whose otherworldly talent is, is starting to mix with this just kind of supreme desire uh, to want to win. I, I think he understands that this team you could compete for a championship and, and and that really has become a singular focus for him and and that has that has sort of manifested itself in a guy who is just playing the very best basketball of his career and it's 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 a joy to behold honestly because he's he's doing things that um you know that you just kind of scratch your head and say how last night weren't his numbers he's the ninth player in nba history to have a 30 20 and 10 game like that's insane yeah and and he's he's doing it in just kind of every way i mean the fact yeah. that he did it against rudy gobert who is the reigning <laughs> defensive player of the year um you know a lot, a lot of people have talked about whether gobert is the best center in the league and, and i think a lot of fans in utah um you know say he doesn't get the respect that he deserves which i i certainly think there's there's truth to that um but but nikola Jokic is is hands down the best center in the nba and and the way that he's done it by going at, at some of these other guys, you know, have big games against Joel Embiid. And um, whenever there's a guy that can really challenge him um, or, or think they can challenge him, it's, it seems like he's taken an elevated. He has an elevated desire um, to really win those th- those matchups. And he was he was excellent against Gobert last night. And uh, again, you have a, another game winner from him off of one foot. Uh, it's just he's he's giving this team everything that they need in every moment. And again, the, the fear that they've got to kind of, um, they've got to, I think, pull back a little bit. And Malone knows this. He, he's been playing a lot of minutes. Um, yeah. he's going to have, he's going to go to Chicago. He's, he's not going to get the same sort of rest that players not in the, involved in the all-star game will. Um, so he's going to have to be really cognizant of trying to, um, you know, get what rest he can, but Malone's got to help him out there because again, he's such an, he, I mean, he's, he's the vital part of what they do. Um, they got to have him fresh for, for April. Um, let, so let's, let's spin this forward now to, to the, tr- the trade that we talked about, uh, again, mm-hmm. mentioned it off the top as it stands now with the two trades and how they, they went combined, the nuggets, um, on Saturday will, should have their, their three new additions. And that's Noah Vonley, that the six foot 10 big, uh, Kata Bates Diop, who is a kind of a six foot eight, small forward, um, averaging about seven points per game for the Timberwolves this year. A uh, good cutter shoots three three point shot well from the corner. Um, you know, got good length to to, to be sort of defensively versatile. Uh, and, and then you have you have Jordan McRae, who who again is coming over from Washington, uh, where he's had a, a really nice season. He's shooting thirty eight percent from three point range. Uh, you know, over twelve points a game, and uh, ha- has been a guy who I, I think replaces a, a lot of what you what you had in Beasley, which is a guy who can kind of mm-hmm. give you some microwave scoring off the bench. Um, but a guy who you also don't have to be kind of financially committed to, uh, over the long haul. And and so that gives you once again, some flexibility with him being on an expiring contract and things like that. Uh, but, but what is, uh, what is, as, as you look at it now with with Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez and Jared Vanderbilt gone, these three guys coming in, obviously the Nuggets still have a a roster spot available if they, if they want to kind of scour the buyout market. 
Um, but this is this is kind of more or less going to be their team as mm-hmm. as the thing goes on. What did you make of uh, of the Nuggets at the deadline? I, well, first, I thought it was it was kind of funny because I remember it was after um, the game. Y- you and I were talking, and you said, "Hey, I'm probably going to write something on the Nuggets standing pat and free agency." I'm like, "Yeah, sounds good." And ten minutes later, you walk up to me and go, "So that's not going to happen anymore." <laughs> and you know, it's just it, I think a lot of people did think that the group with Wancho and Malik and, and Jared Vanderbilt was going to be the group that the Nuggets tried to finish out the season with. But, you know, now in the aftermath and kind of looking at what they did, I think, I mean, I think they did well um, in, in the free agency. I, on Twitter, I've seen like a conversation happening of does the, this hurts like the, the chemistry and the rotation of, of them trying to, you know, take this team to the playoffs. And I kind of disagree with that because when you look at the guys that they still have, they still have all of those main rotation players. And these guys that they've added are people who are going to help them, you know, when, when even your second stringers need a break. And I think especially at that center position, you've Von Lee, who's 6'10". I mean, we they needed more bigs, especially with Paul Millsap being injured and Mason Plumlee being injured. Then you have Jeremy Grant sprained his ankle a couple of games ago. So I think adding that size is really good for them. I think um, not keeping Shabazz Napier was a smart move because I think P.J. Dozier is a player who we're going to see have an increased role as the season goes on, and especially next season. I think he's going to become that, that third point guard behind Monte Morris. Um, so I think overall they, they did a good, a good job for, for a trade deadline that, you know, I was saying, I don't think they're going to do very much in. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 the thing that you're talking about after the Portland game, I, I, I think they had definitely made sort of the case, all, all the guys on this roster to, to stand pat that, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, this group is going to go in and, and be good enough to, to, to get to the places they want to go. Could it win a championship? You know, that remains to be seen. I, I still think that the Nuggets are probably another piece away or another year, a summer of Michael Porter Jr. getting bigger and just getting more ready to play. I think they're that away from, from winning a title. But I, I think they had what they needed. And let's be honest, they haven't really changed the composition of their team all that much. No. And I and I, I wrote about it in a piece that just got published now. But, you know, to me, the main takeaway is that you've, you've really created clarity in terms of who you guys are. You know, you're you know, you're starting five uh, when they're healthy it is going to be um, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, probably Paul Millsap once he gets back, although I think he might come off the bench initially upon his return from knee, uh, his knee injury. And, and then obviously Nicole Jokic, which gives you a, a reserves of Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, Monte Morris. Tory Craig and Michael Porter Jr. So you have 10 guys and then that that will probably eventually get pared down even further as the playoffs arrive. And, and then you have these guys, these new additions that, yes, they're going to be able to help you in spots. Uh, there will probably be games where, where Malone goes a little bit deeper or tries to get these guys involved. There's probably going to continue to be some injury absences that occur um, that will open the door for these guys to play. But but really, th- these guys are here to kind of just, I-, I think, more or less be be insurance. I, th- I think McCray mm-hmm. shooting might help them. I-, I really do. I think that that might be something where he kind of goes in like like Beasley did in certain situations and just say, hey, I, I need a guy that can kind of catch it a little bit for us right now. Um, and-, and then Bates Giat, because he's a young guy, a former second round pick from a couple years ago, has some intriguing talent. And, and you want to see how these guys fit in next to Nikola Jokic, because that's when 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 a guy comes onto the Nuggets, that's. That's what you want to look at. And so he has an opportunity. He'll get an opportunity, I think, to do that. But again, the Nuggets have solidified what they have. They're going into the playoffs uh, with this group. And, you know, that that's going to create 
create some expectations for some certain guys to to step it up. And, and namely, that's Gary Harris. Uh, this is a guy last mm-hmm. night who went over 13 from the field, just really struggling. I mean, you, you watch when he shoots and, and there just seems to be a hesitation at the top of his jumper. Uh, he, he had like about three turnovers last night that were just wildly uncharacteristic. Um, so I think he's 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 waging a confidence battle right now. They're going to yeah. have to find a way to get him back to, you know, if not the guy from two years ago who was averaging 18 points per game and shooting 40 percent from three, at least to to a closer version of that. And, and he doesn't need to give you that kind of scoring. He's, he's now the fifth option in terms of offense on, on in the starting lineup. And, and that's OK. But even with that, he, you can't go through a stretch like he has now where he's gone three games uh, scoring a combined 10 points. They need more from him because now they, they don't have a guy who's going to come in like you had with Beasley, um, you know, who could fit in that that backup shooting guard spot. Again, that that will be some of McCray's stuff. Torrey Craig is playing really well, so he'll get those opportunities at the shooting guard spot as well as some small forwards still. And, and you could even play Michael Porter Jr. at the two at times. So the Nuggets have some cover, but they, they Gary Harris has got has got to pick it up. Uh, so that's kind of my big thing that I'm looking at as we go now into the all-star break. Uh, now that the deadline's over, what's what's kind of one thing that you that you have your eye on in here in the next, uh, I guess, next two weeks or or actually a, a week from from now when the break starts? I'm, I'm I am interested in to see how a, a lot of Malone was very hesitant before um, in Detroit, I believe it was to say, oh, if he's going to keep Paul Millsap out until the all-star break or oh, if he's ready to play beforehand, go for it. And I think that's kind of what he did with Jamal Murray, where, yeah, maybe he should have just waited to the after the all-star break, because as you pointed out, Nick, Jamal has said he is not 100 percent. He said his ankle hurt a lot after that Portland game. Um I'm interested to see how much Jamal Murray plays. Again, like you said, he played, you know, 40-plus minutes last night. So they do have a couple days off before they play Phoenix, and then they have two more games against the Spurs and the Lakers before that All-Star break. But I'm interested to see how these injured or fatigued players, you know, come back for that. I'm interested to see how much longer Michael Porter Jr. and Jeremy Grant are going to be out. Michael Malone said that they're, both of their ankle sprains aren't too too serious, but again, is it a case of let's not push it, let's just let them sit and recover so that when they come back from the All-Star break, we can make that final push and get that good seating that we want in the playoffs to have home court advantage, or are they good to go and are they just going to say the All-Star break's in a week? we got it, we can play through it and then sit and rest and recover during all-star break. Yeah. I, I think they'll do what they need to do to, to try to, again, to try to pile up wins, especially, you know, you play a team like the Lakers guys are going to want to mm-hmm. want to play for that. But, but again, it was, it was good for them to get two days off. They didn't practice um, today, Thursday. It wouldn't surprise me if they barely do anything on Friday uh, before <laughs> they go to Phoenix. Um, because again, they, they just need the rest. They need to get guys off their feet. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think there's a decent chance that, that, you know, Paul Millsap comes back within the next couple games. Um, you know, Michael Porter jr. Same kind of thing. He, I saw him again, warming up before the game in Utah. And I think he's close. Um, you know, Mason Plumlee might still be a little bit away. Uh, but, and then again, Jeremy Grant's a guy who the ankle sprain, it shouldn't be too severe. So you're going to start to get some of these guys back, whether it's Saturday or whether it's the following week, or even, uh, in some cases, maybe after the all-star break, but they're, they're close to getting back to full Mm -hmm. strength. But if you, if you continue to grind guys who are, who are already, 
um, you know, dealing with some stuff, then, then you could run into more serious problems. So I know that the Nuggets uh, want to avoid that. Well, that is going to do it for us today. Uh, again, if you want to be a subscriber and get all of our bonus content, uh, including, again, some stuff that we're going to have coming up at the All-Star at the at All-Star Weekend in Chicago, you need to be a subscriber. So go to theathletic.com slash Rainbow Skyline to get 40% off. Until next time, thanks for stopping by. Thank you.